Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Good to see you guys. Hey, we turn to the book of Obadiah. You're like, what? Where in the world is that? Old Testament. Sandwiched between Jonah. Obadiah. So, one thing, um, Jenny gave me a list of things to talk to you guys about when it comes to Fall Fest. And we need a lot of help with Fall Fest. So if you have not signed up, will you please go to our website, newhopeeastlake.org, click on events, Fall Fest. We need people to help with check-in. We need people to help at the, uh, the slides and all those stations. We need people to help with trunk or treats. We also um, need more donations for candy and apples and all of that. So if you would kindly do that, we would really, really appreciate it. That was so beautiful, man. The kids looked amazing, didn't they? Looked so good. So, so good. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't dedicated your children, uh, you can sign up. We would love to do that. Such a blessing. Um, we're in a series right now entitled Bible Shorts. And what we're doing is we're looking at the five one-chapter books of the Bible. Obadiah. Philemon, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. Now, I'm going to ask you, now, people say all the time, don't lie in church. Well, don't lie anywhere, okay? You shouldn't lie at all. But <laughs> let me ask you this. How many of you, come on, come on, how many of you took the two minutes and 30 seconds and you read Obadiah this week? Come on, come on. Yes, give yourself a hand. Good job. Come on. All right. Now, if you weren't here last week, you're excused because you didn't hear what I had asked, okay? But read Philemon this week, okay? And you can easily read each of these five books in under three minutes. I timed all of them myself. You can read them all in under three minutes, no problem. And so what I'd love for you to do is read a book a week. You can actually read every book every single day, and it's very, very easy. So um, Obadiah, we're going to wrap up today. And if you missed last Sunday, I'd really encourage you to go to our YouTube page and, and listen and watch the message from last week because I do a lot of the legwork on setting up the context and the history. Some, the book of Obadiah probably won't make sense unless you know the backstory. So go back and listen to last week's because I'm not going to take the time to kind of recount everything from last week. But what we're doing is Obadiah is a prophet and he is pronouncing judgment on this group of people known as the Edomites. And to know who the Edomites are, you have to go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham had two sons and one of his sons, Isaac, so Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac. From Isaac, Isaac had two sons. He had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Now, God had said that the younger would serve the older, which was contrary to the way it usually happened. The oldest son was usually the heir to the throne, received the majority of the inheritance, all of that. But in this case, even though Esau, they were twins, even though Esau came out first, God said that Jacob was going to be the leader of his people, and Esau didn't like it. And that began a really, a, a feud between these two brothers. Well, from Jacob, Jacob ended up having to flee because Esau was going to kill him um, because of some thing, other things that happened that's in the backstory from last week. So from Jacob, you have the Israelites. And from Esau, you have 
The Edomites, Esau and his group, they settled in an area that's modern day Jordan. You may have heard of the city Petra. They were cave dwellers. They built these elaborate homes in caves and they thought they were impenetrable because there was about a mile long corridor to get to them and it was narrow, as narrow as 15 feet. And so it really didn't matter how big your army was. You could only fit so many people a mile through this corridor in order to defeat the Edomites. And it was said that 12 people could guard the entire city. And so they were um, very much full of pride. And last week we talked about this. That, that, that God was going to judge their pride. They relied on themselves more than they relied upon God. And they relied upon their resources more than they relied upon God. And so God was not happy with that. And he was going to bring judgment, not only because of their pride, but also because of what they were doing to God's people. Remember, their family. The Edomites and the Israelites are supposed to be family. But you go from two warring brothers to two warring nations and God is going to bring judgment on the Edomites because of what they're doing to their family, what they're doing to the Israelites. So we're going to be in verses 10 and then wrap up the rest of the chapter. And so in the next several verses, like a lawyer, Obadiah lays out the charges against the Edomites. He provides all of the evidence and he pronounces a verdict along with the sentence. And the sentence on the Edomites will be harsh. No plea bargaining, no loopholes. The Edomites knew better than to do what they were doing, and yet they did it anyways. And because of that, God's gonna bring judgment. The title of my message today is What Goes Around Comes Around. It's this idea of what we sow we reap. The idea of the law of the harvest or karma, whatever you want to call it, which by the way, most major religions actually adopt this idea, but most people don't realize that it originates in the Bible. That what goes around comes around, and we'll hear Obadiah say this. As a matter of fact, Jesus confirms this and says it in the New Testament as well. We'll look at um, a, little bit, uh, a little bit later. It's, it's, it's also called like the boomerang effect, right? What you throw out comes back at you. Edom is going to get back what they have given. God promised Abraham in referring to the Israelites or the Jewish people that I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And whether we agree politically or not, which we don't have to, and whether you agree with Israel politically or the Jews politically or not, as a Christian, the Bible makes it very clear that we're to pray for, support, and do whatever we can to help Israel. There's a lot going on right now in the Middle East. You've seen it in the news. And we should be praying for everybody involved, but also we should be praying for the Israelites. Edom is suffering as a result of their unwillingness to come to the aid of their family, the Israelites. They went against God's people and they're going to pay a hefty price for it. Look in verse 10. It says, because of, your, because of the violence to your brother Jacob, their family, you will be covered with shame and you will be cut off forever. Whenever there was an attack on Israel, 
they encouraged it. They gloated over it. They even participated in helping the enemies of their family, the Israelites. We know that when Moses delivered the Israelites from Egyptian bondage, that they were fleeing an oncoming army that was going after them. And Moses had sent a request to the king of Edom because their family, that as they're journeying to the promised land, to their safety, they requested, because it was a shorter route, that they go through Edom. And Odom, or, or, uh, um, Moses had sent a messenger to the king of Edom saying, hey, can we have safe passage through our family's territory, through Edom? Moses had promised, we won't drink any of your water, we won't eat any of your food, we won't use response was to send an army to prevent them from passing by. And God was not happy with that at all. This also happened at the time of Jeremiah during the destruction by Babylon. Edom was there to take advantage, which is what Obadiah is referring to in the verses that we're going to read here in just a second. So we're going to look at the charges and then we're going to look at the sentence. The charges are the great sins toward Edom we see in verses 10 through 14. We already read verse 10, so let's pick up in verse 11. On that day, which means the day in which they were judged, the, the, the day in which the Babylonians had, had conquered them, on that day, you stood aloof. On the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were one of them. You participated. Not only did you not do anything about it, not only did you not help your family, but you actually participated in it. Verse 12. And then there's a bunch of do nots. Do not gloat over your brother's day. In other words, their day of judgment. The day of his misfortune, do not rejoice over the sons of Judah in the day of their destruction. Yes, do not boast in the day of their distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their disaster. Yes, you do not glow over their calamity in the day of their distress. And do not loot their wealth in the day of their disaster. Do not stand at the fork of the road to cut down their fugitives. And do not imprison their survivors in the day of their distress. There were three major charges that God had against the Edomites, and they're in your notes. They're also on our app. If you've downloaded our New Hope Eastlake app, just click on message notes, and they'll come up for you. The first charge against them is that they celebrated the destruction of Israel. They celebrated it. It's their family, and they celebrate their destruction. We see in verses 12 and 13, God, Obadiah lists a bunch of should nots. You should not have gloated. You should not have rejoiced. You should not have spoken arrogantly. You should not have plundered their land. You should not have seized their wealth. We read this as well. This is in your notes as well. Um, the psalmist in Psalms 137.7 says this, O Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. And so you see, when, when, when Israel was being judged or when Israel was, was being attacked, 
the Edomites, instead of helping their family, they're yelling, destroy it, level it to the ground. Anytime Israel was being judged or attacked or invaded, the Edomites were cheering on the enemies and their family. And they should be helping their brothers and sisters, but instead they're applauding the destruction of Israel. Obadiah mentions that the Edomites gloated. This means to celebrate your own prosperity or your own fortune and then to celebrate the misfortune or the demise of somebody else. And so not only were they gloating over themselves at how great they were, we saw in the first nine verses, but the last few verses, they're, 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 they're celebrating the destruction of their own people. And we need to be careful to do that, to not do that as well. When somebody we don't like or a group of people that we've labeled that we don't like, when they suffer oppression or defeat or that person at work that you just can't stand and you're like, oh good, they got written up or, or they got suspended or they got, they got fired. We've gotta be careful because what goes around comes around. Number two, not only did they celebrate their defeat, they, they were indifferent towards the suffering of the Israelites. We saw that in verse 11. It says that they stood aloof. This word aloof just means cold and distant. It's like hear no evil, see no evil, right? They just, they didn't care. They're completely apathetic towards their people. They refused to help. They had the ability and the responsibility, but they refused to help. You know, there's a famous quote that says, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And you see, we can't solve the world's problems, but we can do something. We have to be careful ourselves not to have an attitude of aloofness, where we just close our eyes to injustice and misfortune of those around us. Sometimes we have this attitude, if we can't do for all, we won't do for one. And the reality is, is that we can't stand aloof. We can't close our eyes and pretend that it doesn't exist. This is what the Edomites were doing. When the Israelites were being pillaged, the Edomites sat back and watched and they did nothing to help at all. You know, there's nothing more frustrating, and maybe you can relate. Nothing frustrates me more than to see a video of somebody being robbed, somebody being beat up, somebody being attacked, and instead of helping, this is what people are do doing. Isn't that so frustrating? I'm like, put your stinking phone away and help. They care more about having a viral video than they do about helping. Anybody else get frustrated at that? I'm like, throw your stinking phone down and help that person. Like, really, you're just sitting there and you're videoing the thing instead of helping. This is what the Edomites were doing. They were videoing the whole thing and celebrating it and having a good time excited at what is happening to their family. You know, the Bible warns us about being aloof, about closing our eyes to the needs around us. Look at the intentionality. I've, I put some verses in your notes. Proverbs 21, 13 says, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Why? Because what goes around 
comes around. This is intentional. They shut their ears. Proverbs 28, 27. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes, again, intentionality to poverty will be cursed. Why? Because what goes around comes around. You see, we can't sit back and do nothing with the needs around us. There used to be a time when churches ran orphanages, when churches were on the front lines of humanitarian efforts, when churches were on the front lines of uh, against racism and inequality. There used to be a time when churches helped the homeless and fed the homeless. What's changed? I mean, are we standing aloof? We can't do everything, but we can do something. This is why I'm such a huge advocate for fostering children, for adopting children, for helping orphan children around the world, for being advocates for those that have been caught or trapped in human or sex trafficking. is because we can't just not do nothing. We can't solve all the world's problems. We know that. But we also can't just sit here and do nothing about it. Are you with me? Um, and as a church, as a whole, we can do more collectively than we can individually. A couple weeks ago, we handed out these generosity guides. And in these generosity guides, it outlined what we want to do over the next three years, not only in our community, but also in ministries around the world. In helping orphan kids, in helping people that are caught in human and sex trafficking. And we have some financial goals that we want to do to make a big difference and to do our part to do something. If you did not receive one of these generosity guides or you never read yours, read it. You can pick one up at guest services. There's commitment cards in here. These are huge goals, but we can't not do nothing. This is what the Edomites were doing. There was injustice going on around them. There were massive needs around them and they stood aloof. And God is bringing judgment because they refused to help. Number three, they took advantage of Israel's misfortune. So not only did they celebrate their misfortune and then they didn't do anything about it, but they actually took advantage of their misfortune. We see in verses 13 and 14 that when people were actually escaping from being attacked, people that were seeking refuge, were seeking safety, those that made it out, those that got free, those that weren't killed, they made it out. Instead of taking those as refugees and helping them and feeding them and giving them safety, do you know what the Edomites did? They captured them. And they either delivered them back to the enemy army or they killed them themselves, or they imprisoned them. Like, how horrible is that? You have people seeking refuge, and the Edomites, who's their family, instead of helping them, they're actually doing the enemy's job and, 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 and killing them. In verse 11, at the end, it says, you were one of them too. You participated in this stuff. Israel, or the Edomites were kicking them when they were down. But what goes around comes around. And Obadiah lays out the verdict and the sentence in verse 15. Listen to this. For the day of the Lord draws near of all nations. This is speaking 
about the future day of the Lord, the final judgment. Regardless of who we are, how powerful we think we are, at the end of the day, God is in control and God is the ultimate judge. And there's gonna be a day of reckoning for all of those that oppose the Lord. As you have done, look at what Obadiah says from the Lord. As you have done, it will be done to you. What goes around comes around. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head. What goes around comes around. Just as you drank on my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as if they had never existed. Edomites, you're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. But on Mount Zion, there will be those who escape and it will be holy. And the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. This is the Israelites. In other words, they will take back what was taken from them. What had been looted from them. The land that was stolen from them. The areas that were stolen from them, which he'll outline, will be given back to them. Then the house of Jacob will be a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau, this is, this is the, the Edomites, will be as stubble. And they will set them on fire and consume them. And there will be no survivor of the house of Edom. Complete judgment. For the Lord has spoken. Those of Negev or the south will possess the mountain of Esau. This is Jordan um, and partially into Saudi Arabia. And those of Shephelah, the Philistine plain. This is the Gaza Strip. Today, also possess the territory of Ephraim and the territory of Samaria. This is the area of the West Bank. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. This is the area known as the Golan Heights. And the exiles of this host of the sons of Israel who are among the Canaanites as far as Zarephath and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Seraphad will possess the cities of the south. The deliverers will send Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau. And this is an amazing way to end Obadiah. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. Wow. Folks, you can fight over, this is what Obadiah is saying. You can fight over whatever you want to fight over. This territory, that territory, Gaza Strip, West Bank, Golan Heights. You can fight over whatever you want. And you may have it now, but God owns everything. And God will do with it what he will. As you have done, it will be done unto you. This concept we see throughout the entire Bible, consistently throughout the Bible, that what we sow is what we reap. Personally, financially, every area of our lives. There's some verses that I put in your notes. Why don't you read them with me? Galatians 6, 7. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God for you will harvest what you plant, right? You'll reap what you sow, right? You harvest what you plant. What goes around comes around. Hosea 8, 7. Read it with me. They have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. Why? 
What goes around comes around. Even Jesus himself said this in Matthew 7. Read it with me. Do not judge others. You will not be judged. For you will be treated as what? You treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Right? That same measure that you use towards others will be measured towards you. What goes around comes around. So if you want to be a critical, hateful, mean-spirited, angry person, what goes around comes around. And that judgment that you use to judge other people, to kick them when they're down, and to gloat over their failure and to celebrate when they make mistakes. The Bible says that judgment that you, Jesus said, that judgment that you use towards others, that's the standard in which you're going to be judged. That changes things, doesn't it? That changes things drastically. And so if you're a constantly critical, negative person, and you're angry at the world all the time, what you give out you're going to get back because you attract what you are, not what you hope for. The Bible says he who has friends must prove himself to be friendly. Why? Because what goes around comes around. Luke 6.31, Jesus tells us to do unto others as we want done unto us. We see this idea throughout the scriptures. If we sow hate, we get hate. Live by the sword, die by the sword. If we sow kindness, we get kindness. If you're a leader, if you're a boss, if you're a supervisor, and you say, oh, I can't ever, I cannot keep a staff for nothing. They're so rude all the time. You, you've got to look, what kind of leader am I? Am I sowing discord? Am I bringing negativity to my staff, to my team? Because what we get back is what we give out usually. Could you imagine, now I'm not a farmer, I've never been a farmer, I grew up in Orange County, never farmed a day in my, I don't know, I, I, I really love people that can do, gar my grandpa used to grow a garden in his backyard, and, and, and I'm not a gardener, I'm not, I used to love, my grandpa would grow radishes, and he had an apple tree, and he'd grow broccoli, and he'd grow carrots, and green onions, I loved it, it was really cool, but I never kind of picked that up, but here, but here, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a gardener, but I do know this, that if I plant a watermelon seed, guess what's going to grow? If I plant a lemon seed, guess what's going to grow? If I plant radish seeds, what's going to grow? Why? Because what I sow, I reap. Could you imagine a farmer going, I planted a watermelon seed. Why did I not get a lemon tree? Why in the world is a lemon tree not growing? And so when we sow hate and anger and negativity and bad attitudes, and then people treat us like that or people around us are constantly on edge and you can't make friends, what are you planting? What are you sowing? Because what you sow is what you grow. Oh, I just made that up. Whoa. But that's so true. Because of what the Edomites are sowing, 
they're gonna grow the very thing that they've been planting. God will restore Israel, verses 16 to 21, and he will destroy the Edomites. A couple lessons to learn and then we're done. Number one, choose mercy and grace instead of a critical spirit and judgment. Listen, we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. And what we sow is what we're gonna reap. And instead of waiting for people to mess up and instead of being critical towards people's mistakes, and we usually are only critical for the mistakes that we don't struggle with or the sins that we're not tempted by, choose mercy and grace instead of a critical spirit and judgment. By the way, people like that that are positive and full of grace and mercy and empathy, they're so much better to be around than people that are negative all the time. I call them joy suckers. They walk into the room and just suck the joy out of the room. I avoid joy suckers at all costs. Because if you have nothing to do but be critical and negative all the time, I got much more to do with my time than to deal with that. Choose mercy and grace. Err on the side of mercy. Err on the side of forgiveness. Err on the side of grace. Which, by the way, aren't you glad that's what God does with us? Lord, thank you. Number two, pray for and help those suffering instead of ignoring and celebrating misfortune. We can't help everyone, but we have to be aware of the people that God brings on our path because God puts people in our lives for a reason. You live where you live for a reason. You work where you work for a reason. You encounter the people that you encounter for a reason. You know, this concept, when I was wrapping up my term paper on this book, I got to thinking of this, what goes around comes around. And it led me on my knees to thanking God for Jesus. Because I think of what I deserve as a human being, as a sinner, I deserve judgment. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve, this isn't popular to hear or to say, I deserve hell because of my sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. I deserve all of that judgment. But because of what Jesus did, what goes around spiritually does not come around eternally. Because the Bible says that Jesus was a propitiation of our sins, the sacrifice, the substitute for our sins. And because of what Jesus did for me and for you, And because he was judged in his sin, he took on the sins of the world, he was judged once and for all, I have the ability to be forgiven and the ability to go to heaven because of what Jesus did for me. And so as I wrapped up studying this book, I just said, God, thank you that I don't get what I deserve, that I get mercy and grace instead of judgment and hell.
And so I thought it'd be appropriate for us, even though it's not communion day, to thank Jesus for his sacrifice. Father, thank you so much for your blessings, for your word that is so relevant and applicable and appropriate to our lives. Thank you for this little 21 verse book called Obadiah that so many times we skip over and yet there's so many incredible life lessons. God, help us, help us to be people of mercy, to be people of kindness, to be people of grace and not be judgmental, critical, apathetic people that do nothing. And Father, as we wrap up, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for second chances. Thank you for Jesus who took upon my sins and the sins of the world so that we could have hope in this life and hope beyond this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to New Hope this week. You know, the church doesn't stop when the video does. And make sure that you share this with a friend. You can even support what we're doing via the Give button here on the left. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single Sunday. And we cannot wait to see you this week, either in person or online. Have a great day.